0: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
1: Giving its name to the modern country of Zimbabwe, the 11th to 5th century city of Great Zimbabwe is a prominent example of the often overlooked or ignored achievements of pre colonial societies in sub Saharan Africa. This is episode 18 for January 18th, 2018. I'm Chris Webster, and welcome to the Arc 365 Podcast 2018 edition. ARC 365 is a podcast today, every day, in 2018.
0: This network is supported by our listeners. Members.
1: This episode is written by Christopher Booth. Located in the southeast of modern Zimbabwe near Lake Mutirique, the 7.2 hectare World Heritage Site of Great Zimbabwe was the capital of the Kingdom of Zimbabwe, which existed between 1220 and 1450 CE. At its height, it is estimated that Great Zimbabwe supported a population of 18,000 people. The remaining ruins on the site, all stone constructions with no mortar, consist of three groups, the hill complex, the valley complex, and the great enclosure. The hill complex is the oldest, followed by the great enclosure and then the valley complex, which started to become the focus of occupation in the 14th century. There are competing archaeological interpretations of these groups of ruins. It has been suggested, for example, that the complexes represent the work of a series of rulers who moved the focus of power from the hill complex in the 12th century to the great enclosure, the upper valley, and finally the lower valley in the 16th century. Other scholars have suggested that this was not the case and that the different complexes had different functions. It is most commonly suggested that the hill complex was a temple, the valley complex was for the city's residents, and the great enclosure was a royal center. There are two famous elements to the site, which are sometimes mentioned in counts of world archaeology. The first is the Great Enclosure itself, which, with walls up to 11 meters high and approximately 250 meters long, forms the largest single structure in sub-Saharan Africa before modern times. The second are the Zimbabwe birds, eight soapstone carvings that appear to have originally been placed on top of a series of monoliths at about head height, possibly in the eastern enclosure of the hill complex, although they were not found in situ. These figures are now a national symbol of Zimbabwe and feature on the country's flag. A wealth of other artifact evidence has been excavated at Great Zimbabwe, including further soapstone figurines, pottery, iron, ivory, copper, bronze, and gold, which shows that the city served as a center of manufacture, especially for carvings and metalworking. Chinese pottery, Arabian coins, glass beads, and other non-local items also suggest that long-distance trade was taking place, with Great Zimbabwe's exports being mainly gold and ivory. It has been suggested that the site's decline was due to the gold mines being exhausted. Unfortunately, it is impossible to discuss this site without the shadow of colonialism. Both white, colonial, and black nationalist groups of the 19th and 20th centuries invoked Great Zimbabwe's past to support their vision of the country's present. In Rhodesia, the colonial name for Zimbabwe, during the 1960s and 1970s, the official history of the site was that the structures were built by non-blacks. Archaeologists who disputed the official story were often censored by the government. To 20th century black nationalist groups, Great Zimbabwe became an important symbol of African achievement, and reclaiming the lost or interpreted history was an important name. Since the creation of the modern country of Zimbabwe in 1980, Great Zimbabwe has continued to be used to mirror and legitimize the policies of the regime, with the acceptable interpretation shifting to suit the political climate and regime policies. This imposition of politics and nationalism on archaeology and heritage remains an issue throughout the world, not just in Africa, and is one that archaeologists must and do fight against. In the case of Great Zimbabwe, research has been stifled by this changing meta-narrative, and so much still remains to be learned about this fascinating and monumental site. Thank you. Thanks for listening to ARC 365. If you want to hear more ARC 365, check out www.arkpodnet.com slash ARC 365 for the 2017 and 2018 episodes. Check out arcpodnet.com ARC 365-G30 for the last 30 episodes. Please subscribe and rate on your service of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, among others. Support the APN at arcpodnet.com members. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being awesome.